Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Uh, you might have noticed we never done an episode last week because <laughs> we were at tipping point of launching Built to Coach and trying to finalise all the final few details and get the final few coaches on board and so on and so forth. So if you missed us, don't worry, we're back. <laughs> did we not say we would do fortnightly? Did we? No. <laughs> did, it just ha- did it just end up that way? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> So yeah, we are back, and one of the one of the parts of the conversation probably that we're going to have today is about built to coach in a way, but not about the program itself. More about what it caused on the lead up to it. Yeah, for the built to coach breakdowns. <laughs> built for breakdowns. Yeah, that's us. Built for breakdowns. <laughs> because what we've been seeing a lot of across the board, um, from clients, general public, everyone will will see it, is that people allow their expectations to get in the way of their progress far too much. Yeah. And we hear things like, I've just got a high standard for myself. I'm just a perfectionist and all of this sort of shit. So we are going to go into a little bit more depth and detail about that today. And we're going to let you guys know how human we actually are because we are not fucking robots and this shit happens to us. Right, Jen? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think, like, I think that this is what we were saying like, when we decided to for this to be like the podcast subject is that sometimes I think because of how we respond to challenge, people can make the assumption that we don't experience challenge. And that's just not the case. Like, like I feel like after you experience and you choose consistent challenge, you kind of know a degree what you're in for, right? So the, the management of like how you respond emotionally gets better but it doesn't make it go away. Do you know what I mean? And I think like when we first come up with the concept about to coach and like when we went to Barcelona and designed it, we were fucking buzzing, right? We were like, yes, like this is going to be, this is going to change our lives. This is going to be the future. This is going to fucking take off. Blah, 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 blah. And all those things are true, right? But I would be lying to you if I said that there wasn't a wee bit of expectation within me that was like first cohort's going to bang, it's going to be full, people are going to bite their hands off for this, like there's going to be 50 people in the first cohort, right? I would be lying to you if I said that there wasn't a bit of that expectation in there for us because we were hyped, we were excited, like we were glad that we'd finally accepted that this was the thing that we're supposed to do because like bear in mind this was a concept for fucking, we've been speaking about this for years, like yeah, I ran my own like kind of version of a program um in tw- like in twenty twenty two, um. So this has been something that's been in the works for a really, really long time. We just obviously bit the bullet to kind of get it done last year, um. So of course there were expectations there about like what success would look like, but guess what? See when reality struck and people were a bit like, oh, what is this new product? Who like is this really the right thing for me? Obviously, last year was notoriously a very very difficult year financially for many many coaches across the industry. So people are not like kind of throwing their cash at things the way they previously would have. Right? They need to know it's a worthwhile investment. Totally totally understand that. So like when reality presented us with the fact that mm, maybe everyone isn't biting their hand off as immediately for this as we were the first thought. Don't get me wrong, we did have a few like early committed people who were like, tell, don't need to tell me anymore, I'm in. But like, it wasn't that immediate overnight success that maybe we had fantasised that it would have been, right? And I think that had we kept the expectation that success only looked like absolutely banging overnight success 50 people in the first cohort had we set that as the pinnacle for success and hadn't adjusted their expectations as reality showed us differently we would be starting the first cohort of this brand new business this brand new program in an actually really successful position what what do we have on 22 or something i think in the first cohort right which is for a brand new program that nobody's ever heard of and nobody knows works right (laughs) except us is fucking hugely successful, right? I spoke to my coach supervisor and she's also mentors me. And um, I was talking to her about how I felt when I was in coach supervision and she had six people in her first cohort. She's like, I had six people in the first cohort. She was like, but I was just so buzzing that those six people trusted me so much that I made sure that those six people got the best experience they could. And that's always been my focus. Like, is it's all about quality and experience. It's not about quantity, but 
had I been so fixated on that being success, we would be starting this first cohort in an actually great position, feeling like it was a failure, yeah. right? And this is why I'm not I'm not scared to sit and say this in the podcast that we had forecasted for 50 initially and got half that, right? Because if I were to withhold that information and say I'm not going to tell anybody that we were expecting we were expecting that, oh, I think we, we said we could handle 50, but we were aiming for 30, right? Because we thought 30 is like a comfortable number for the first cohort while it's in its testing phase had like if i felt shame and guilt and anger and frustration about not getting that 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 would never that piece of information would never have seen the light of day right we would have kept that between the two years and we would never have told anybody but the reality is is that the more you don't adjust your expectations in line with reality the more you're then just setting yourself up for disappointment so why would i why would i not allow myself to be excited and getting a, a sense of success and achievement and alignment and fulfillment with what we have created by beating myself up for what we hadn't and yeah. I, this is this is probably why the way that we respond to challenge has become what it has because it's not about it's not about that we don't experience challenging things but we don't create pointless fucking challenge I feel like any challenge we choose to engage in is challenge that we know is going to be fulfilling. It's going to pay its dues. It's going to have a purpose, right? Like you're not running a 106 mile ultra for the sake of it. Do you know what I mean? It's all about who that nurtures you to become, right? Like it would have been really easy for us to just keep doing what we were doing and leave Built to Coach as a nice idea. But the reality is, is that once that became an idea, it wasn't going anywhere. It was going to sit and niggle and fester and... So we had to try it to see if it worked. And I feel like I feel like what happens too often for people is that their expectations are not rooted in reality. Like that expectation we set was like a how good would that be? But it yeah. wasn't rooted in reality. We hadn't sat down and forecasted like business numbers and projections and stuff like that because we had nothing to base it on. This is the first program of its kind in the industry. So there was no trends or forecasts or anything that we could look at, if anything. When reality struck, we were like, right, we need to be prepared for the fact that money's really low for so many people that this might not be the right time. So we're in an extremely, extremely fortunate position. And to have the trust of those people who have worked with us, like obviously everyone in the first cohort knows us, um, but to have the trust that we've built with those people and the value and the trust that they put in their relationships with each of us as individuals... I'm like, how incredible is that, that the impact that we've had on those people has built enough trust that they see the value in what we've created together. So I'm like, if I was beating myself up for not hitting that number of 30 or 40 or 50, then I would miss all of these things, all of this gratitude for what I actually have. And this is what's been really fucking me off recently. And this isn't just, like, this isn't aimed at anybody. I'm seeing this everywhere in all of my conversations. Not enough people actually spend time being grateful for what they have and spend all of their lives fucking beating themselves up and torturing themselves over what they don't have. And see, when I say about being grateful for what you've got, right, I'm not talking filling out your fucking gratitude journal every morning with fucking 15 things that you're grateful for. That's exhausting, Right. But what I am asking people to be more mindful of is see in the moments that you're experiencing a fucking first world problem, check in with yourself and ask how privileged am I to have this problem, right? Seeing as like we're another week before I get my new trainers, um, I've not shut the fuck up about these new trainers. You would think that on running we're sponsoring me to see if he's wanting to sponsor me. Fucking I'm your woman because I'm already shouting about them for the rooftops, right? <laughs> I got the new on running Cloud Eclipse trainers and I'm fucking obsessed with them. Um, but before I got to my new trainers, I was running my last run in my old trainers. And you know when you know your trainers are fucked, right? It's when your calves start to burn like yeah. fuck, right? So my calves were in fire, my feet. I was getting, I mean, you get that pain in the top of your feet because there's no like cushion underneath. And I was like, oh, this is a new trainer kind of pain, right? Anyone who's run for a long time knows the new trainer pain. It's a whole different, it's a totally different set of fucking rules than any other running pain. So I was like, fuck, I still need, I've still got like ages left in this run. It's really, really fucking sore. I'm going to need to fight a mental battle through this. And then I was like, hold on a fucking minute. How grateful should I be to have this? How lucky am I to have this problem, right? I'm out of run and these 
expensive trainers that I've now ran in too much that I need to buy another pair of expensive trainers and I'm in a position where I can go into the shop, try on the new trainers, buy the expensive trainers and then get back to running. Like, what a lucky problem to have. Do you know what I mean? I could have fucking started greeting and got in my head about, oh my God, I can't finish this run because it's so sore. Uh, should I get new trainers? Like, how lucky am I to have that that's my biggest problem that day is yeah. that my calves are sore because I need new trainers. And I feel like the more you start to contextualise the challenges that you experience in the grand scheme of life, right? And I don't know if this is just the way that we are raised, but like, you know what it's like the way we are brought up? It's like there's somebody there's always somebody worse off than you right i don't know if it's like we always me and paul always joke about like catholic guilt right and how like that's drummed into us for a young age right that you should feel fucking terrible about your existence and um but like that whole and i think it's just i don't know if i think it's just like a working class thing i think it's the way that we're all raised it's very much like a be grateful for what you've got finish your fucking dinner because they're starving wanes right and, and then the old retort of, we'll send my dinner to the starving wains, right, nice. which never went down well. But they're starving wains, so you will finish your dinner. You don't know how lucky you are. There's wains out there with nothing, right? So I feel like growing up in the area that we did, we were constantly reminded of how lucky we are, even though we, we weren't well off by any manner of means. Like, with food on the table and clothes on our back, therefore, we were well off in comparison to a lot of the people that we knew. And I don't know if that kind of just reinforces that mindset in you a bit, but I think... I know this is a really, really long rant. I promise I'll let you speak. <laughs> I think I think it's just, I just see this whole combination of people's expectations battering them because then they can't accept reality. So they live in this strange limbo between reality and expectations. And then the gratitude boat just sails off in a whole other direction that right. they just take no notice of everything that is available to them here and now because they're so busy focusing on all of the things that, that don't exist are the things that they don't have. So, right. Like, there's so many people that I speak to on a regular basis. Again, I'm not naming any names, but sometimes I feel like I just want to give you a shake. I want mm -hmm. you to wake up and realise the life that you're actually living. You are complaining that you've got no time, yet your screen time on your £1,000 iPhone is 12 hours a day. You're watching TikTok, you're on Instagram, you're having laughs with your mates with the reels that you're sending them. You're working a job that pays you nicely. You go out for dinner every single weekend with your partner. You go to the pub with your mates. Like, yet you're still ungrateful because what's happening here is that you're getting too caught up in prioritizing the wrong things to the point where it's it's backlashing on you, and you're you're feeling a little bit of difficulty because you weren't able to put the work in in the first place. So the expectation was like, I will come back and do this at some other point. I will come back and focus on this at some other point. I don't need to do this right now because all of this distraction is actually my priority. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, mentally I'm not great, physically I'm not great, missing the gym, um, having to take days off my work, like all of that sort of stuff. That expectation that you build, that you have like all the time in the world to make use of what you have on this planet and what you have to be grateful for on this planet is going to wear thin to the point that you wish you'd, you'd made more of your life in the here and now. And time passes so fucking quickly. I couldn't think of anything worse than spending any more time on my phone than I would need to. I couldn't think of anything worse than saying yes to things that I really wanted to say no to. And the thing is, like, I'm still very grateful for these things at the same time. It's like, you know what? It's great that I do have a phone and I can connect with people. But you know what? I am very busy. I'm very tired sometimes off the back of it. I've been training a lot and I'm grateful that you might want to speak to me. But right now, I just want to focus on doing other things that make me feel grateful too that yeah. I don't get to do quite as often because I've got these other priorities that take precedent. Also very grateful that people want to be around me. I'm also very grateful that people reach out and and want like to speak to me and and have my expertise um but many people don't look at it that way they they look at it like this pe person's pestered in me or why would people just not stop inviting me to things like they're they're distracting me they're getting inside my head they're influencing me and it's like just fucking flip it on its head right be grateful that you have these opportunities in front of you but also be grateful about the fact that you're able to say no and focus on what you want to focus on. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I'm not too sure where the conditioning now has came from because I feel like it's really amplified the past like 12 months. 
And I'm not too sure mm-hmm. if all of it is watching the news, listening to the radio, seeing all the bad things that are going on in the world. And people... I, harp- I honestly... Sorry, on you go. No, I was just going to say people harp on I about... No, I thought you were stopping. No, no. People, people always say, like, they harp on about be kind, be grateful. But they're not showcasing gratitude at all. And one thing that I've said to a few people this week, especially when they've been talking about those expectations, is I brought them back down to earth when they've said, like, the reason why I'm I'm maybe not happy with the outcome is because I hold myself to such a high standard. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, I'm going to be completely open and honest, right? The way that I'll look at things is, if you think you're strong, yet you cannot give yourself permission not to hit that expectation that you've just fucking pulled out your arse, you're actually really weak. See, if you cannot manage your emotions, if you cannot cognitively, cognitively perform and realise the way that you're thinking and as a result of that, your actions, like what they are, you're actually weak-minded. You don't hold yourself to a high standard. You hold yourself on a pedestal more than anything else. You hold yourself to this degree so other people can see you in a certain light, not actually the person that you truly are. And when I talk about like standards and expectations, they're completely different things. People think their standards are their expectations, but they're not. Your standards are all of the things that make you who you are, not the physical attributes, not the outcomes. And I said to the guys on Monday night, like physical talent is a really poor indicator of long-term success. And so is many of the outcomes that you achieve for yourself. The money that you make, the amount of friends that you have, like the house that you, you've just bought, the car that you drive, it's actually really poor indicators of long-term success what is a really good indicator of long-term success are your characteristics mm-hmm. your values your virtues your integrity your discipline your resilience all the things that ultimately allow you to act a particular way in life regardless of what is happening in life yeah. acting with respect acting with gratitude acting with acting just with happiness even though what might be happening isn't a very happy situation and I actually said, I used the example on Monday when I was speaking to the guys and my grand passing away like 12 years ago or so. And at the time, like people, my grand was like the glue that held the family together. And I was only like, what, 18 at the time. I'd not long started in the gym. And everyone was kind of falling apart because she was such like a, an important member of the family. And instead of not being grateful, and it kind of came around suddenly as well, it'd be very easy to, to fall into that mindset of like, this is the most terrible thing that's ever happened. I was just like, I'm very grateful to have like fucking had 18 years with her. You know what I mean? And instead of making myself feel worse about that and the fact that she's not here, I'm going to honour her with what I know that she would want me to do. So I I still went to my work. I was like, because what am I going to do if I'm not at my work? So I went to the gym still. What am I going to do if I don't go to the gym? Just sit and think about how shy life is. Exactly. And don't get me wrong. I understand grief and stuff like that is complex, right? And that wasn't me processing grief by doing those things. It was more so being grateful for what I could still do while I was on this planet because I've just seen life been taken away. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And I think, like, I do think that the kind of culture and society that we live in now normalizes like abundance and like limitless things limitless opportunity like everybody knows my fucking gripes with influencers and like i just think as a concept like no slight to influencers as individuals if you can make a career out of that then fair fucks to you but i just think the whole concept of it and the culture that it breeds in excessive consumerism like excessive fucking like excessive fucking image and just I feel like we weren't aware of how many problems we had until the problems that we had started getting consum- started getting like marketed towards us. Like the solutions to our problems that we didn't know we had started getting marketed toward marketed towards us. And I seen this thing, um, it was a TikTok, and it was about how um why do 30 year olds in the 80s look so much older, right? So it was like showing pictures of th- people in their 30s and the 80s and they look like in their 40s, 50s. And there's this whole thing about, like, why do millennials not look their age, right? Like, not you and I, because the wrinkles have fucking caught up with you and I. <laughs> um, but, like, why do like millennials not look like their age? Why do they look younger? And the reality of this is, is that those people back then were not exposed to millions and millions and millions of people their age who looked like them, yeah, who looked better than them, right? And that they then used as a target to try and look better. And don't get me wrong, media was exposed to us in different ways, but it was celebrities and magazines, and it was 
you know, film stars and fucking pop stars and all of these people, influencers come across as normal and in inverted commas people, right? I'm just a normal girl whose TikTok channel blew up, whose Instagram channel blew up. So we don't even have the ability to separate ourselves from people of celebrity status anymore and go, oh, would well, you know what? They're celebrities, be hunters of money, right? Yep. Because influencers, although they're making a fuck ton of money off of all the shit that you buy that doesn't work, they are marketing themselves as these normal down-to-earth people, right? And actually, a lot of them are. See, especially if you look at TikTok, it's fucking mums who started a TikTok account to just record themselves making dinners and then all of a sudden they're packing their jobs to do paid ads because the paid ads are paying the bills, they don't need work anymore. That's great for them, right? But then when you start selling and influencing and using your platform to sell things to people in a disingenuous nature and it's relentless, like... I don't know if it's the same for guys, right? But see, as a woman, see if I see another pair of fucking leggings, leggings, bodysuits, fucking hair products, makeup, skincare, constantly, 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 constantly flung in your face. And I'm like, these are all the things. And then you see the influencers who look a certain way going, oh my God, look at my six pack. I've got a six pack because I drink these greens every single day. You too should buy these greens and then you'll have a six pack like me. And it's like, and then I see the people in the comments, I open the comments thinking, oh, surely people will be like, come on to fuck hen, you don't have a six pack for greens. And they're like, where do I buy this? How can I get this? And I'm like, even still in fucking 2024, people are under disbelief that you can get a six pack for drinking fucking greens. And it's stuff like that. It just, it fucks me off because I think that the reason that people struggle to be grateful for what they have and always want more, 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 more is because we live now in a world where you can always get more. Like, what you want is limitless, it's accessible, and it's convenient as fuck. Like, and there's this held-up expectation of influencer lifestyles, all these things that they've got, all these fancy holidays, big houses, nice cars, nice bags, lovely outfits, and it's just not reality for anybody. Like, if I became Prime Minister, I would fucking ban phones and I'd be like, you're all getting Nokia 3310s and you can play fucking Snake of an evening and that's your whack. Because um, I just think, I, I don't think it's people's fault that they feel this, like, this urge to just always want more or struggle to be grateful for what they've got. I think we live in such a consumer-driven society that you're told that you should want more and that what you have isn't enough. Like, there's always someone convincing you that you fucking need more. And I don't know if it's because we've both spent a lot of time individually working on sh kind of shutting that off for ourselves. Like, don't get me wrong, I still buy myself shit. I'm still fucking... I'm still hooked in by the influencers every now and again. But I think I just put a very strong boundary where I'm like, that's probably a lot of shite. Do you know what I mean? That maybe that then helps us to manage our expectations a bit more and, and allow ourselves to be more grateful for what we actually have. Definitely. And it's probably why so many people in a fitness journey especially struggle as well because like they're buzzing, as you said, like we were when we were talking about built the coach in fucking Barcelona, talked up with fucking sangria, Jen speaking fluent Spanish to cunts. I'm just sitting there coming along for the ride. Like, <laughs> you two talking about me. <laughs> we were. Aye. Uh, you saying, what's Baldy wanting? I was like, uh, fucking, like that cunt half, I'll have the sangria. Don't call me Baldy, Baldy. Um, <laughs> but, like, so many people have, like, this pure rush of, like, adrenaline to, to start and this excitement. And it's going to disappear over time because it's, it's monotonous over time. And you need to fall in love with that process and problem solving and overcoming challenge. Like, when you... When you start to live what people used to coin it as a lifestyle, like I help, I will help you transform your lifestyle, it's literally teaching people how to develop a process to live by because processes work. And when you find a particular process that works for you and you build your life around that process, then ultimately it's very easy to, to hold on to. But what people do is when, again, expectation outweighs reality, they then start to get distracted by what everyone else is doing or what everyone else is saying or the feedback that they're getting along the way, not the actual plan they've been given. So, oh, well, I've done this additional workout and I've burned these calories, so I just hit them back. Right, okay, did I tell you to do that? No, no. But people talk about, like, fueling after sessions and stuff. Yeah, but you're also trying to lose body fat. <laughs> On the flip side as well, you've got people who are... Um, saying that they've not lost X amount of weight like they thought they would have, even though it's proportionate to the amount of body fat that they have. 
which realistically, from my standpoint, you should only really be looking to lose between 0.5 to 1% of your entire body weight on a weekly basis. Sometimes it can be more from fluid loss, but at that rate, that's a very good progressional rate. Then they see some fucker that is on Instagram that's lost 16 pounds in two weeks. You know what I mean? Because they're probably fucking 20 stone. Or if the fucking cunts on the green shakes have just came back from a holiday where they did put on a stone. So all the pictures were for before the holiday. They've not updated a picture of you after the holiday. And all of a sudden, they've lost pretty much all their holiday weight in two weeks, plus an additional maybe two pounds, because they've been drinking fucking greens. There's far too much distraction and expectation. And I think we're losing grip on these qualities that we need to be able to build for ourselves to withstand the long-term challenge. Mm-hmm. And it worries me, especially for the people that I see that, haven't had self-accountability built into their life mm. prior to me coming across them or yeah. coming across them. Like, and that doesn't just mean clients, that just means people in general because we see it from like so many different networks that we're a part of. And what I mean by that is like zero self-accountability when it comes to like going out and get a part-time job when you were younger, buying your yeah. own car, paying for your own uh, driving license, paying your own phone bill, like all of these things, like having that shit done for you. So then when it comes to living in the real world, you have to do those no things autonomy. As, an, as an adult, you've got no autonomy. And you think that things should just happen at the click of a finger because what happened before was like, mum, dad, yeah. <laughs> and it was transferred into your fucking bank account. It was yeah. done in 10 seconds. So... Yeah. There's this instant need for, well, I want this and I want it now. And I also want more because what I've been getting even previously now doesn't align with what I need. So I need more of the same stuff that I previously got for what was proportionate to what I needed then. And it's yeah. it's honestly mind-boggling. And I think there needs to be some form of like intelligence here for people. And I know that might sound a bit cheeky, right? But you need to be able to zoom out and look intelligently at your life and be completely fucking open and honest with the fact of where you are right now and what you can expect moving forward based upon the skills you have. Because your characteristics aren't just, and your personality traits and all that sort of stuff, they are not just personality traits. They're not just characteristics. They are learned behaviors from people that you've grew up around, peers that you're now around, um, influences that you've had in your life. But a lot of it is, is learned through life like the things that you need to do to keep yourself safe and secure to stop yourself from fucking being in danger you learn these behaviors and skills a lot of them may not serve you a lot of them may serve you but they're also transferable so when you actually look at the skills that you've built over time instead of the expectation of i have been a perfectionist or i hold myself to high standard in these areas it should more so be like right okay well if that hasn't actually served me in those areas because those things never fucking serve you in any area really then ultimately, how do I need to approach this situation differently so I don't yep. get the same outcome and the same result, but they live with the same expectation because they don't take time, and this is something we see a lot, they don't take time to not only be grateful, but reflect. Yeah. Oh, my God, don't. I'm um, honestly on my fucking soapbox about reflection. I'm going to get it fucking tattooed on my forehead. Um, and this this is the thing. I think when people, when I talk to people about reflection, I think they think I'm some sort of fucking hippie cunt, like oh. fucking just, ref- like that's not why I'm asking you to do it. Your brain cannot process information at the volume at which it receives it, right? Our brains are given and delivered so much information on a day-to-day basis that we couldn't possibly absorb it all and make sense of it, right? So our brain will only absorb the information that we feel is relevant, okay? Because we're exposed to so much on a day-to-day now, we're never really left with time to think, okay? We're never left with time where we're just sitting alone with our own thoughts and looking around the room, right? Because we always have something available to distract ourselves because it lives in our fucking pocket. So if you're in a waiting room, if you're fucking wait on a bus if you're in public transport there's something to entertain you right no longer do you need to sit in the back of your Monda's car and decide which raindrop is going to win the race to get to the bottom of the window fast enough right because you got an iPad planked in front of you because you expect an iPad because that's how kids are being raised right nothing wrong with it technology is a huge part of their lives it wasn't a huge part of our lives so it's only natural that this these things progress I also don't have children but I have lots of nieces and nephews and I can completely understand why in some days for your own sanity as a parent fucking iPads and chicken nuggets it is right when I have kids too right I'll do the exact same fucking thing right 
There's, it's fundamentally not a bad thing. The issue is then is that as adults, we're not used to not having something that distracts us. And I think the reason that people avoid reflection and avoid journaling is because they have to think for themselves. Mm. And unless you're in the habit of consistently thinking for yourself and thinking through what kind of things that I experience. A lot of people say to me, I sit down to journal and I just don't know what to write. And I'm like, write whatever comes into your head. <laughs> it's literally that simple. There's not a right or wrong way to do it. I've kept a diary since I was a child, right? So I've been, I was the OG fucking reflector. I was the OG journaler, right? I've kept a diary since I was a young child and I still have it. And honestly, see the cringe. <laughs> I can't, I can't actually read it back because it makes me want to die. I was a most tragic, tragic fucking teenager in walking two legs, right? Um, if I, I've given Paul strict instructions that if I die, that gets burnt. Well, please like, just add them to the wall and let, let me have them. Nah, I, can nah. the, I can just read them out in the podcast. And we no, can by the way. That you're still here. <laughs> fine you can do that you can do that um, like my, my fucking embarrassing memoir um so I don't know if it's just because it's always been a part of my life holds significance but like literally just write what comes into your head there's not a right or wrong way to do it and you don't even need to write fucking send yourself voice notes that was a really good tip that Jean gave send yourself voice notes if you find that easier than writing like you need to give yourself a way to process your thoughts because see the reason you're fucking overthinking is because there is so much information in your brain and nowhere for it to go. So you end up paralysed with all of these thoughts, things that you need to do but you can't seem to do, things that you're thinking about but that are existing in your brain because there's nowhere else for them to go. Like, see if you're overthinking, then find a way to put the thoughts somewhere. And I feel like this is something that... This is something that I learned the importance of, especially through the launch of Built to Coach, because, like we said, there were a few Built to Coach breakdowns. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing. Do you want to? Do you want to tell the podcast listeners what your Built to Coach breakdown was? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we was it like a Monday. I think it was maybe like a Monday. Like I was speaking to you for the first time after the weekend, and I was yeah, like, yeah. The "Weekend," and you were basically like breakdown central. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, we, oh. we had to be fair, both of our breakdowns happened at the exact same time, which is interesting. Exactly. exactly. Um, and I'll let, I'll, let, um, I'll let Jane come on to us. But basically, I was trying to like talk her down off a ledge because I was now off my ledge. And uh, <laughs> my ledge was like yesterday. So I was <laughs> off my ledge, thinking more rationally, I'd come back down to planet Earth. And uh, Jane was telling me about her. And I was like, well, listen. I was considering yesterday that I might just go and become a fucking real estate agent. <laughs> Questioning whether or not this was even worth it. I was like, Pro what Property Boss Dubai edition. What the fuck? What the fuck is this? Like, why am I putting myself through this? Why are we putting ourselves through this? It would be fucking easy to buy, uh, to sell houses, right? People would buy from me. Like, I'm quite a, a buyable from guy. Like, people would invest. Like, I could talk to camera. Uh, Natural salesperson. I, I'm like thinking, like, how much, how much skill does it really take to sell some houses? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I remember at the point I was like when I was thinking it as well like simultaneously in my head like the, the part of my brain that I've now trained to overcome the challenge <laughs> um, was like you would fucking hate that yeah you would hate you, that you love kicking about in gym gear you'd have to wear a suit every single day and the heat and the heat you, you'd have to laugh at cunts shite jokes <laughs> You'd have to put a smile on it even when you wanted to punch somebody. Like, <laughs> you would have to be as nice as possible. You would have to suck up someone's ass. You're too direct for that. That's like yeah. all I hear from this voice in my head. And I was like, I started listening to that voice a little bit more. Then that voice was like, get a fucking grip of yourself, mate. Yeah. And get back to doing what the fuck you're supposed to be doing. You've had your wobble. And then yeah. it was nice to see that Jen had also had a wobble as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think um, it's funny because we were talking to a client recently about this, about... Like, just the challenge of being self-employed and kind of, like, it's one of those things that you don't you don't really realise. You know it's going to be hard, but I think you don't you don't really realise how it's just constant work. Like, the work never stops. Like, see, so even if you, like, take time off, like, you're not really ever psychologically switched off. I think you can switch off for a few days, but, like, beyond that, there's always something that's niggling your mind and you're like, fuck it, I'll just do it, and then it'll get out of my mind. Do you know what I mean? And I think you're always you're always responsible for driving more business. And, like, I think even if you're not on the ground, even if you're, like, you know, you've kind of removed yourself a wee bit more for your business, it's always ultimately 
yours, therefore your responsibility. So, but I think you adapt to that and you get used to that over time. And I said to somebody, I said to the physio actually yesterday, because she was asking me about it. And I said, like, as much as it's challenging in that you're always kind of mentally switched on with it, I would always take the freedom and flexibility that it gives me in my day-to-day life for the sake of maybe having to do a wee bit of work on holiday. Like, I would always take the, the general freedom and flexibility that it gives me over, like, being in a job and then having, like, you know, annual leave where I don't need to talk to anybody, but then I'm limited to how much annual leave I can actually take and all those kind of things. Know that we're really fucking... Know that I'm in six holidays a year yet, but one day. Um, so I think, like, that that's always... That's almost, like, an accepted part of the difficulty of running your own business the challenge of then launching and setting up a second business is that then you have to run <laughs> your own day-to-day business at the same time as launching and setting up the new one and for me to have the time to design built to coach I had to leave um a big role that was paying me a lot of money right and I had to let go of some other things and then obviously just because changes and economic circumstances last year a few people could no longer afford to keep me in their programs so I took a big financial hit for the first time ever in business and I've almost been like maybe in a wee bit of false sense of security because I've been very fortunate I've never had to worry about money and people have always come to me via referrals and word of mouth so I've never had to do sales I've never had to do outreach right so I've been in a very cushy comfortable position for a long time but I was always really aware this is not the reality of running a business. This is a this is a lucky and cushy and comfortable position. So fucking lap it up while it's here. Remember uh, your first turn, fucking you were good to me. I know. I was like, oh my god, what did I do wrong? And you were like, this is a perfectly normal part of doing business. It's just not been normal for you. Um, obviously because I'm so fucking shit hot, it was, it was never happening to me. Um, but it it was just it's one of those things where it was all I was already in a false sense of security because so many people had told me. Being self-employed is so hard. It's a huge risk. What if you don't make any money and you can't pay your mortgage? And I think people assume a lot of the time that self-employed people just struggle. Like, they just struggle and they don't make any money and everything's a struggle. And I'm like, I don't know if it's just because... Like, my dad's run his own business for, oh my God, 20 years now. And as much as he's gone through, like, ebbs and flows and peaks and troughs and there's been harder months where it's like, right, we're no, like or harder years even, where it's like, right, we're going to caravan this year instead of going on a holiday abroad. Like, we've, we've always managed to keep everything ticking over. My dad would go and do any work really that was needed if he couldn't get work, and he, he still is like that to this day. So I don't know if it's because I've watched him my whole life, like, keep a level head, fucking nothing phases my dad. Um, so I don't know if it's because I've watched him, you know, balance all that, keep a level head, have to make hard decisions, but ultimately keep everything above water. Although it's a very different industry, I'm like, well, there's still, it's no, it's not, it doesn't feel as this massive fucking struggle and risk as many people make it out. However, it did become a very big struggle <laughs> when this all changed and we were building built to coach. And I just had all of these fears about like, if this tanks, I'm fucked. Like this is, the, the, it was almost like the last train out of fucking Saigon because I was like, if this doesn't work, I have nothing, If there was nothing for me to fall back on. So I was like, so there's nothing for me to fall back on if this doesn't work, meaning I'm going to have to have something else to fall back on. So I was a way back talking to my old NHS colleagues being like, um, you know any tenders come out for a bit of consultancy work and blah, blah, blah. And my colleague Terry was like, aye, 100%, there's this, there's that. Why don't you contact such and such? And they're looking for team development. They're looking for coaching. And I was like, right, 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 that can be my backup plan. And I was like, maybe I should go and do some consultancy, like the now just to, and I was fucking, I was going to get a website set up. Maybe I should go and do some consultancy the now to keep my hand in. And then that way, if I need to go back there, I can jump straight in. Then I was on like old uh, OD jobs again, o- OD jobs, Glasgow, um, being like, right, if there's OD jobs out there, then I could jump straight back into an OD job and then try and, and then have a like, stop, <laughs> stop. Like this became a whole emotional spiral. But I was doing all of this internally for a good, like, six weeks before I actually spoke it forth to anyone so I'd been really really quiet for like a few days because I was just so in my head about it and I was trying this is another huge mistake that a lot of people make and that I made I was thinking that if I didn't speak about it out loud or I didn't reflect on it or I didn't acknowledge it it would go away right that doesn't happen it just festers in bubbles and festers in bubbles to the point where it can no longer 
fucking sit beneath the surface and it explodes, which is exactly what happened to me. So I've been quiet for a few days and Paul was asking me, what, what shall we? Are you all right? And I was like, I'm scared of the joys built to go. And I just fucking, Wah! right? It was almost as if like it was the fucking tip of my tongue. And I was just trying not to say it loud. And as soon as, soon as he acknowledged the fact that I wasn't myself, fucking all came, I honestly was crying for hours. Like, what well, It's going to be a uh, We're going to lose the house. Uh. <laughs> like, we were very fortunate in that, like, with Paul's job, if I didn't make a single penny, like, we would be fine. We'd still pay all the bills and all that. So he was like, you do realise that, mm. like, one, you have savings if this ever happens. Two, we'll be all right with my job. We can afford to pay the bills. Like, three, you don't know if it's going to be a success yet or not because you've not actually launched it yet. And I think it was just one of the things where it was like, it it was a whole new thing to navigate because when I was setting up the business the last time, like my, my OG business, I had a full-time job. So there wasn't that. It was building up the business until it made enough income. Then I just jumped through one to the other. So it's not as if I left and I was fucking building up a business from scratch. I'd already built it and I just jumped into it. And then obviously that went really well. So it was the first time that I'd ever experienced something like this. So I had to allow myself to just fucking feel what I was feeling, Google the jobs, have a word with myself, right? And then say, actually, we work with facts. And I think that's probably the thing that brought us both back to the baseline is that we only make decisions from a place of logic and fact, not emotion. Had we made a decision for a place in a place of emotion, you'd be in the Dubai version of Selling Sunset by now and I'd probably be back fucking in the NHS, right? But because we decided to make the decision from the place of logic and fact, we agreed that we will work with what the data gives us. If the data gives us enough that this is a success, people are interested and it keeps moving, then we will keep building it. We will make sure it has an impact. And I, and I don't know if there's like a bit of a, there's definitely a bit of stubbornness in us both. Mm, that yeah. The stubbornness kind of transfers into determination. But if you really care about something and you're really passionate about it and you really want it to do well, you, you have to, you have to like not give up on it. Like I feel like no matter what happened, we would have found a way to eventually, even if this had been unsuccessful, the first, if nobody had joined the first cohort, we would have adapted and said, right, what has to happen to make this work? And I, and I think that the more that you do that and the more you commit to making something work by any means, under any circumstances, the more you then build that capacity for yourself to know that that's a possibility. So it doesn't mean that we didn't feel those same emotions, lots of self-doubt, fucking tears from my perspective, and supporting each other through that as well. Like, do you know what I mean? And supporting one another way, like, right, okay, that's nuts, like, come back down to earth. Um, and remembering why we were doing it and being focused on the vision, right? Again, if you don't have vision, then you've got nothing to guide you. Being focused on the impact that we wanted to have. Like, if we didn't have the capacity to have all of the those things, we wouldn't have then been able to manage the emotions that we were feeling alongside it. And I think if you've got no process to come back to, to give you a sense of security and certainty and predictability then you're just left out in the void with you and your emotions trying to figure out what the fuck do I do with these? Whereas because we have a process that we've both built for ourselves and refined over time, we can go back to, right, what was the last difficult thing that I went through where I thought I was going to be a failure? What happened? What did I do? And most importantly, how did I nurture myself? I was running, I was training, I was eating well, I was resting, I was doing fun things, right? And almost giving yourself like a process that is your blueprint for success so that when you are dealing with complex and uncertain, right? That was four months of sheer uncertainty, of stabbing, like, stabbing in the dark and going with what we know works from our own like educational and professional experience, but not knowing if MDLs would really give a fuck, right? So that was four months of consistent uncertainty. And we thrived in that time. Like we didn't just fucking survive. The two is both like as from a personal perspective and professionally have thrived because we fell back to our systems and our process that have never ever failed us. And I say this to people all the time. If you're experiencing a huge period of uncertainty, if you're waiting in the wings for an answer, you don't know how something's going to go, you're working towards something that doesn't feel clear, you have to give your brain what it needs, which is certainty and predictability. 
if you can't have certainty and predictability in that thing, you have you have to respect yourself enough to create it in your day-to-day life. Safety and predictability can look as simple as I'm having mince and tatties for my dinner on Monday night and I'm going to watch this programme. I said this to some the other day. Watch films that you love that you know how they end. Watch TV programmes where you know what's going to happen, right? Give yourself that certainty, predictability in your structure, your routine, how you spend your time, things you know already that you enjoy and make you feel good. Default to the systems and you create all of that predictability that means that when you're dealing with that looming uncertainty, you're not going to lose your shit because it's only one uncertain thing and 30 other things that you can predict and have certainty with every single day. 100%. 100%. It kind of ties in with what I said yesterday. Like, I posted a picture uh, on my story yesterday talking about my run. Like, my neck was chafing, my fucking new hawk is. Oh, no. I'm also bagging on about, but also forgot that the back of my previous pair, like, ridiculously cut my ankles up. Same thing yeah. happened again. Like, my full foot was, like, covered in blood, like the white socks. I'd say the same for my cloud eclipses. <laughs> Not even a fucking blister in sight. I talked me into them as well. Maybe I, I made the wrong choice. <laughs> uh, and I, I spewed twice. I'm not, I'm not one for being sick, like, being physically sick is not something I do regularly. Like, it's very, very rare that I'm physically sick. And um, I said yesterday on the back of it on my story, and I think this is where some people might think that we are hippies a little bit. I was like, you, when you're out there alone, like you can have all the accountability buddies you want, you can have all the coaches you want, you can have all the friends and cheerleaders you want. But ultimately, when you are out there alone or you're trying to achieve something alone, you need to be almost like your own parent, like your own best friend, but as an adult who's responsible and respectful and is wise, and you need to be that person to yourself. And that is that is kind of what encompasses the, the process. It's like that overshadowing parent that you probably never had that sometimes you needed when you were younger. So you learn to think in a completely different way. But now, because you're an adult, it's your responsibility to develop that for yourself because you're no longer a fucking child but most people still act like children. Most adults still act like children and they don't like to take that responsibility. And this process has worked for me in so many occasions. Like I remember telling you and the team after the first ever Hyrox I done, I was like mid-bulk. I was like 93 kilos. I fucking never wore my running trainers. I God knows why, right? Don't know why I never fucking wore my running trainers. Wore my Metcons. It was in the SEC. It was oh, like concrete oh. flooring. Every time I ran, it was a fucking like vibrations going through my knees. And um, at one point, like I was like, I had not predicted how actual difficult this was going to be. And like, I'm, I, I like to see myself as a fit enough guy, but I didn't, I didn't really expect how hard it would be. So like, my expectations weren't high in that occasion. If that makes sense, like they were mm-hmm. high for, they were probably high for myself, and I probably underestimated what it was going to be. So I was humbled mm-hmm. by it. I love eating a bit of humble pie. But there was a specific part. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I remember the thoughts going through my head at the time. Listen, see if you just faint right now and pretend <laughs> you're, you're, you're knocked out. Maybe or not. Been there. Maybe or not. Been there. I was doubting myself. I was doubting whether or not I could keep on pushing through. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just run into, because we were aiming for a certain time as well, and lo and behold, we actually got the time, or we yeah. came up with the time we were aiming for. But I was like, well, if you just run into the rock zone in this lap, you'll get a time penalty. So then it's like, oh, well, you couldn't have got the time that you needed anyway. <laughs> um, it also could be along the lines of like, just stop and walk, give yourself a break. And again, that voice comes in and it's like, what have you done at any other time when you've been in this position, when you feel this challenge? What have you done? You've put one fucking foot in front of the other. That's what creates certainty. That's yeah. what allows you to feel like you're in control. So why are you thinking about the time? Why are you thinking about whether or not you can get this next lap done? The next thing, the most important thing, is fucking plant that foot in the ground and get yeah. to that corner. Then plant your foot in the ground and get to that fucking corner. Because yeah. obviously around like a big square or rectangle, whatever fucking shape it is. Um, and that's all it was. Like that was it. Like break it down and create predictability. And just bring it back to the fucking most simple thing possible. And that's all we done. Like when we were building Built to Coach, we ended up just being like, okay, well, what is the next thing we need to do? Who's yeah, the what are we doing this week? What am I designing this week? And yeah, that's all I have to think about. Who am I reaching out to today? Who has inquired that we need to get back to? Simple as that. Like, what do we need to make the content as today? Like, do I need to jump on stories today? Like, how do I market this today? It was it was that. And it wasn't yeah. a case of like, if I do this, come the end of the week, we're going to have 10 clients. Yeah, I mean, paying coaches because they're not clients, they're colleagues, as we yeah. like to um, and it's an educational process, so they're not really clients. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's um, 
So it wasn't like, if I do all this, I'm guaranteed to get 10 people at the end of the week. It wasn't. It was mm-hmm. like, let's just put out what we know of value and it will come in time. Let, let's yeah. put out what we know works and allows yeah. us to come across in the way we want to. And people, well, we trust. We trust that people out there will value the same things as us. And yeah. if they value mastering their craft, leaving people in a better position than they found them, really been able to say that they are better than 99% of the cowboys out there. If they value all these same things, the message that we're putting out and the vibe that we're putting out, we trust that people will come to us. How many people is that? We do not know, but mm-hmm. we trust that it will happen. Yeah. As as we just focus on the next thing. And if we just threw in the towel and didn't do the next thing, it wouldn't be what it was. And as you said, we wouldn't be as grateful. And I wouldn't be sitting here with a adult situation having got an invite to the fucking uh, World Championships. Yeah. So, like, look what happens when look what happens when you create an expectation in your head. And so many people then I know you, you responded last week as well on my story. When I was on my story last Saturday morning doing my long run, reminded every cunt to run slower. Uh, oh yeah. You, you've got a running goal again like zone two. A couple of clients straight away afterwards are like, Oh, I listened to your story and I've done this. And I'm like, why have you not been doing this for the beginning? Because this I is by for the start. I know. <laughs> but you know what? We all we all need that reminder sometimes. I, like I you all need it. all need that reminder and Sorry, on you go. Well, I was just going to say, and I think sometimes when they see you doing it properly and that yeah. you're not just defying the process, it, it, it helps as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think everybody needs a reminder to keep like their ego in check and see when I was out, like my, my slow run. And I was like, so obviously I'm training for the marathon. That's my first marathon. And I've been getting really in my head about a time, right? Which I knew, I always knew I would do it. And then there's no way in earth I'm aiming for a time. But I'm also a very, very slow runner, like as it is. So I also don't want to be running for six hours because the thought of that makes me want to fucking die. So it's always about getting the balance right. But I realised when I was running that run, I was like, I could hold this pace for fucking ages. Like I could keep going at this pace, not out of breath, like enjoying it. I was like, if I had a really good book, if I had a book that I really know that I love, that I could listen to and just keep holding this pace while I listen to this book for hours, I could run a full marathon at this pace. And I, I, th- I think, see, when you think about it for that perspective, I'm like, if I could hold that pace, even if it was for longer, and I would eventually get fatigued after running for that length of time, I would actually then give myself the opportunity to enjoy it more. And I feel like that's the kind of process that we took, we built to coach. It was a long and slow launch, but it was very much if we can maintain this pace here and really get a a good build up, build relationships with people and focus on the impact, right? Success for us, for, for this was always impact. If we just wanted to go and make a fuckload of money, this wouldn't have been the right option. Do you know what I mean? This isn't a huge fucking churning out money-making thing. We could have went and done something else that would have turned out hundreds of money. This isn't the thing. It's about the impact that it has. And I think that's what you need to keep in the focus is your mind, in the focus of your mind when the expectations start to prevent the reality from from being possible. Is that your what success is, the impact that it's going to have on you, that's the thing that needs to stay the focus of your mind and even if it is a fucking fat loss process and you're expecting yourself to be further ahead, lose more weight, blah, 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 you're then preventing yourself to have the reality of what you want by thinking that way and by setting that expectation and by not understanding what the impact is on you in the longer term, you just completely deflate your own success time and time and time again because you're putting yourself through this long, enduring and uncomfortable process and telling yourself every day that you're failing at it. Why the fuck would your brain continue to engage with something that you are telling yourself you are continually a failure at? Of course you're going to jack it in if you think that you're failing at it constantly. Of course it's going to be difficult to persist through if you keep telling yourself that you're fucking shit at it. So like, why are you, why are you continuing with this same approach? And thinking that someday that it's going to work. Like you define the outcome, you define success, you define the expectation, you define the reality. So it all comes back to what you want to create. There's nothing special about us that's made this process successful. Everything that's made this process process successful is the blood, sweat, tears and extremely long fucking working hours that we've put in to make it and create success. It's not happened successfully 
we've created it by choosing to make sacrifices in other areas for this to then pay off. That doesn't mean that we continue to make sacrifice forever just to fucking beat ourselves up and feel worthy of it. We make sacrifice for the purpose that it has. Then yeah. we reset and we go back to baseline and say, right, let's sit here in this success for a while and focus on quality and impact. And then when the time comes again, we'll do the same thing again because guess what? We've created a process. Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> I hope that people take some value from this and, you know, I I just hope that people don't listen to this as a tick box, tick box exercise to learn a little bit more. Um, if there's one thing that I'm seeing across the board with everyone these days, and it's kind of what you you touched on earlier, Jen, is like, it's a real lack for pe of people thinking for themselves. Mm. Like they want to be told exactly what to do. They want things that they can plug and play into their own life. They've got things that are easy and streamlined to understand, but sometimes things are not always easy and streamlined to understand. Sometimes things that work in one area, you can't plug and play into another area or might not work for someone else. As you said there, like a lot of people have invested in built coach that knew us already. But that didn't mean we just threw it up and the people that knew us were like, oh, I want to work with you. Yeah. Was that the case? It was a long, drawn-out process to the last minute, literally to the last minute, chasing people up, replying to long messages, giving more information, running free webinars, like putting time, effort, and energy into it, as Jen said. And I think we've always been... I'm not going to say lucky. Like, I think we've always been... I think we're fortunate, I would say. I, I, I was going to say more... I, I think we've been fortunate that our circumstances have probably been what our circumstances have been from a young age. That yeah. a, a very strong work ethic in us yeah. to the point where we pride ourselves on it. And we know that, as as Jen said as well, like we have a process for things that work. So we will put all of our hard work into those processes, but we will choose not to work hard on the things that we know don't work or aren't worth our time or aren't worth our energy. Um, and that includes not only things at work, it includes things physically, like goals that we might have to say, you know what, this isn't for me right now. Yeah. Um, it might also be relationships. It might be things that you really want to buy, but you're not going to buy it because you're not a fucking idiot and you're trying to save money for something else. Instead of just constantly letting yourself fall into the trap of doing all of these things, just yeah. for the fucking reason, because you can. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. hundred <laughs> percent. Simple as that. And that's, that is honestly, it's like, even people that talk about food and like daily flexibility, I'm like, just because you can have a chocolate bar, how do you know you feel great having a chocolate bar every day? Mm. I love a chocolate bar more than every other cunt, right? But there's some days that genuinely, when I feel like shit, I'm like, a chocolate bar is not the best thing for me because I am an adult. Yeah. Oh. Do I want it? Do I actually want it or do I feel entitled to it? They're yeah. two very different things. Exactly. So please, guys, just create a little bit more awareness and stop defining you're, you're actually just stop defining your whole fucking identity on expectations that you've built. Yeah. That you have no data and information for. Yeah. Like there's no trends. There's no, there's no, there's no statistics. I ask people all the time, what, what data did you base this expectation on? And they go, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, how did you know that this expectation was a realistic one? I says, look at your past trends and your past behaviors. What did the data of your past behaviours? Behaviour change is a scientific process, people. You might think that I'm stabbing in the dark and airy-fairy and just talking about people's feelings. Behaviour change is a scientific process, right? Based on your previous behaviour data, how did that influence how you would decide how this would go? Well, last year, I said I was going to lose five stone in six months, but I lost a stone in six months and then I regained that same stone. So this year you set the same expectation, even though last year it didn't work, but this year was going to be different. This year was going to be different. Well, how? Show me the data that was going to make the, the, the influence in this different. No, well, I wanted it. Okay, well, there we go. So because you wanted it and you thought that would be the ideal situation, that's how you then created the expectation and not once did you ever take some time to consider if it was based in reality. Look at the previous data. Look at the previous trend. That will tell you what is likely to happen because that is what you'll default to. You have to work with the data that life is giving you, right? Not the data that you would like to have. Please be more accepting of the reality of the person that you currently are. That doesn't mean that you can't change or be a better version of yourself in the future. But the first step of behaviour change is acceptance. 
unless you can accept the reality of who you are and how you behave in the present moment, you will never become the desired version of yourself. And so many people live in fucking denial about who they are and where they are currently, thinking that they can just shoot for this huge expectation. That's what keeps fucking you up. Accept the reality of where you are, even if it's fucking tough, and put one step forward to change it. Use the data that you create to influence the expectation. If you've lost fucking a pun a week for the last year, brilliant. That's your data that tells you that's maybe how your body works. If you don't lose any weight for five weeks and then you drop five pun out of nowhere, there's the data telling you how your body works. So instead of weighing yourself every week and greeting and calling yourself a fat bastard, look at the data and what it does, what it tells you, and then you know, ah, oh, that's my reality. See how this works. See how this is a process. And don't just take it like one time. Like people, like I mean, you need six to twelve months of that. Like yeah. not just like oh, well, I did weigh myself after four weeks and I lost five pound, but then I done it again four weeks later and I'd only lost a pound. So how is this fair? Like no, give it more time than that because again, other influences can 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 take hold. And the thing is, see when you're actually putting in the proper work behind closed doors that you're supposed to be in the right way. No one gives a fuck about the expectation and the yeah. outcome, really. What they love is the process. process. And that's what I found, is the people that are trying to cut corners mm-hmm. to get to that expectation and get that outcome that never succeed. Like, I remember, statistically speaking, when it comes to having the data and the information, when I was going to run my second marathon, I wanted to get sub three hours. My training, throughout my training, I was running at a pace where I could hit sub three hours, but I mean, like, by, like, five seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ten mm-hmm. seconds, right? Um, and I'd been running it like that all the way up to, like, 18, 19 miles. And then on the day, it wasn't to be. It was three hours, one minute, 26 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't run any faster. I was getting cramped for the last, like, 500 meters. Just couldn't run yeah. any faster. Um, was I sad about that? No. Was I disappointed? Oh. So many people, you must be so pissed off that you missed out on that 126. But you still ran a marathon in three hours, one minute, and 26 seconds. That's still fucking class. No, I know. I know. And that the thing was, it's like, they were like, so when are you going to go out and do it again, try and beat it? Then I'm not going to put myself through that when it's not the goal right now, just to cut off 126. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean the goal wasn't important to me. What was important to me is who I became through that process mm-hmm. and like how much I enjoyed it. And I feel if I now went and done it again, now that I've achieved what I did, I've been doing it for the wrong reasons and actually having achieved what I did and having this accomplishment, I've now maybe realised that the goal of wanting to do it sub three hours before wasn't really the priority. It was actually the process along the way. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And whenever we have a client who is successful, it's very rarely about the outcome they've achieved, but the life that they've created. And I think this is a real thing that I want everybody to take away for this episode is really the recognition that the outcomes are things the outcomes are the things that stretches right but the process is the thing that makes the outcome possible so if you really focus and define a key process that you can adapt through different areas of your life right what we done we built to coach we had never done before technically yes we've both set up businesses but neither of us have ever set up an entire brand new second business at the same time as already running one right so that was a whole new a whole new thing it was a whole new product to the market, selling to a completely different kind of people, right? Meaning that all of that was unknown and uncertain, but we followed a process and a structure that we know that work, works because the process that we spent time developing for ourselves, we know will deliver an outcome. See if you have a strong process, a strong baseline, right? And a way of living. The next outcome that you want to achieve isn't, oh my God, I need to fucking start from zero to get to this outcome. You're always at 75%, right? You're always three quarters of the way there, right? And the work becomes the last quarter towards the outcome. It becomes, I'm going to do this thing because I can. I'm not going to do this thing because I think it's going to be a defining moment. I'm going to do this thing for the skills and experience that it's going to teach me and for me to push myself beyond this current capability, this current limit, to give me something that focuses me into the process and the rituals and the routines that deliver the outcome. But when you live your life in the structure of the process, you get to feel that way every single day. 100%. Like I wish I could bottle and sell this to people, this recognition that you can actually live life every single day, not all day, every day, right? But you can live every single day really feeling fulfilled and content with what you've got and how you live when you stop defining yourself by outcomes and define yourself by the way that you live and the decisions that you make and the person that you are 
on a daily basis. The the ticket to fulfilment always lies within. There's no such thing as external fulfilment. It is all intrinsic. And if you want to do work on yourself this year and you are reaching for big outcomes, please do not let the outcomes become your defining moments, but how you grow and respond to the challenging things through the process of getting to the outcome. Let them become your defining moments. They're your lesson. They're your data. They're the things that are actually going to make a difference, not the thing that you're trying to achieve at the end. 100%. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Fucking spot on. And that's a really good place to end. So let's wrap Big up. Rant. That was of, uh, of use. Um, I feel like we could have went even harder there, like more angry. Next week. Next week. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. I feel like you are all fucking sadists that listen to this. You all like, like the directness and the straight talk. Yeah. It might just be because you're Scottish as well, most of you. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, probably why most uh, English folk probably don't download this, but that's another. <laughs> okay. uh, but guys, thank you so much for listening yet again. We will catch you next week. And yeah, if you found this useful, drop us a message, share, tag us. We would always love to hear little updates about yeah, what Make yourself known because we have so many people who say, Oh, and I listen to the podcast, and I'm like, I didn't even know you listened to the podcast. I'd like to know who I'm talking to. Make yourself known. I've just counted up to be like the same amount of people. I'm like, it must just be this group of people that listen all the time. And then when someone uses it, I'm like, oh my God, a new listener. Yeah, I love it. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, guys. Uh, We'll speak to you all soon. See you all soon. Yeah, speak to you. Yeah, I'm fucking ending it here. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)